the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. It's Thursday. Let's get into the Dave Ellswick Show here on 101.1 FM, The Answer. we got a lot of stuff going on today. Uh, the Flynn story, we'll get to that in a little bit. We'll really talk into it uh, heavily in the 8 o'clock hour when Robert Steinbach, our law professor from over at uh, UALR and the Bowen School of Law, joins us. Um, I got a hold of him yesterday, and I said, dude, we got to talk about this. Talk about... Uh, you know, the wrong use of uh, the federal government uh, in this is is just incredible. It's incredible. If you've read about this, it's going to blow your mind. Uh, if you haven't, you need to read about it because, if it, you know, this goes to show that if the FBI wants to come after you, if a federal agency wants to come after you, I would say even some state agencies want to come at you, uh, they might, uh, how, how do we put this? bend the law how's that one the law shouldn't be bent uh, but uh, that's it all right another story i wanted to get to initially here early is something that i'd been talking to robert about and other lawyers because we're in such a litigious uh, society i'm really wondering what's going to happen in america because see people think now Taking a business uh, to court can be kind of like hitting the lottery. doesn't matter if it's a, a, a real uh, problem uh, that has occurred or if it's a, a problem of somebody else's making, maybe even the person who, who is uh, suing. But a lot of people feel now if they sue uh, companies will uh, settle because it's cheaper in the short run to settle than to go to uh, go to court and uh, you know just uh, draw it out and cost you money for you know legal representation and all the rest so story today from the American Enterprise Institute brings up something that I was talking to Robert about late last week and I'm all about people having their day in court, but I believe judges should be able to use a lot of discretion about what gets heard and what doesn't get heard. Uh, you know, you're looking at who opens uh, the government, uh, opens the economy now. It's not really going to be the president. 
that opens the economy right now. All he does is basically get behind the presidential bully pulpit that every president has and says, here's what I think should happen. Then governors and mayors, and in the case of, you know, Arkansas, quorum courts and others, will make a decision on who opens, when they open, etc., etc. Here's the question. Uh, Let's say you have a business. I'm going to take Heidi, for instance. I'm going to make her the owner of a restaurant. And uh, she's got a restaurant. She's not been making any money for the last five weeks. Uh, She needs to start doing that, uh, getting open, start making some money, uh, calling her people back uh, to do what they're supposed to do, serving their customers and making sure the orders are right and things of that nature. She looks at what the uh, governor has said, in this case, Asa Hutchinson, and he says, you got to do this, you got to do that. And we'll get into that later on here in this hour because the governor had a press a presser yesterday, and I watched it and listened to what he had to say. And I thought what he had to say was had a lot of, uh, you know, uh, credence to it. However, what happens if you do all of that? You clean, the, you know, your restaurant from the ceiling to the floor. You disinfect it. You do everything humanly possible to clean things up. You, uh, let's say, uh, when your people come back to work, you take their temperatures. Uh, You make sure they're not sneezing. They're not coughing. You tell them they've got to wear masks. They end up wearing gloves. I mean, I'm, I'm just, I'm saying they're doing all of this stuff. All of it. Uh, you set up your tables so that you can only have one-third of the normal capacity that you would have in your uh, restaurant. Uh, you follow what the governor says. No, no groups bigger than ten. All groups that have six feet between them. So where do you sit now? Uh, The state-issued stay-at-home orders did not determine most people's desires to stay at home. They merely ratified behaviors that the vast majority of people uh, and institutions were already adopting in response to COVID-19. Now, the fantasy is that we can go back to what the world looked like 12 weeks ago. That's not possible, and we all know that's not going to be possible. Uh, and uh, it will not be possible probably until we possess a vaccine for the uh, coronavirus. Understand that I'm not saying that stay-at-home orders should ever be indefinite. What's probably in most people's minds is that whenever the stay-at-home orders are rolled back, whether it be tomorrow or a month from now, it will not result in anything like a, quote, big reopening of the country. And the sooner people grasp how completely and fundamentally the world has changed right now, 
the faster we'll all be able to adapt to this new reality starting out. So here comes my question, though. What if somebody comes to Heidi's restaurant, healthy, no problems, not showing uh, any signs of uh, COVID-19? She comes to the, the restaurant, and what happens if one of the waiters or waitresses forgets to pull their mask up when they come to wait on one of her clients. And uh, a couple of uh, weeks, a couple of days, down the line, the person gets sick. Worst case scenario, what happens if they get really sick and almost die or do die? What is the liability of Heidi? That's my question. What is their liability? You know, what are you going to be, what is she going to be able to do? Uh, Is there going to be a new area of law that's going to develop out of this? I don't see how it can't be. Because I'm telling you, it's going to happen uh, just as much as the sun rises in the east, which it's doing right now. People are going to sue people about this. Some people, because they think they really do have a serious uh, issue with a restaurant or a bowling alley or whomever it might be that they go after, movie theater. And then the people who look at there's a possibility I can hit the mother load by suing somebody. And uh, maybe I'll sue uh, this theater, (coughs) excuse me, because they're, uh, they're owned by a big company. And I'll wrap the big company up into the uh, uh, lawsuit as well. And, you know, try to make uh, a few hundred thousand dollars or maybe even a few million dollars. You know, I don't have anything else that I got going on. I ain't worried about it takes some time to do this. But all you got to do is find a lawyer that will represent you, take you on perhaps on a contingency and says to you, well, I'll take your 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 uh, your action for 30 percent of whatever you you win. And you know what? If they think that they could perhaps get somebody to to cave at, uh, you know, three or four million dollars, I think that there's some people might do that. That's saying a lot doesn't take a lot just takes a few and it only takes a few to change uh, law as we know it it's all it takes so i just wanted to talk about that for maybe this first half hour because are state legislatures going to be forced to make changes 
to the legal code to protect businesses on frivolous lawsuits. I mean, we've seen frivolous lawsuits in a lot of areas. So, you know, what do you do in a situation like this? I mean, this is something I'm going to talk about uh, uh, tomorrow as well. Chris Corp is going to be on with uh, Robert on Friday, and I'm going to talk to them about this because I see it as being a a real problem, a real problem. And let me tell you why I see it that way. You all know that I'm not a spring chicken. I'm not a young guy. I've been around a while. And I've been amazed at uh, how a lot of people now view business and look at businesses and say businesses are out just to take advantage of the working man. See, I don't believe that. Businesses fire laborers, and no matter where you're at in the hierarchy of a business, if you're hired by the business, you're part of labor. And labor is the most expensive part of running a business. And the end result of why people start businesses is what? Now, I've got a lot of people have called me over the last 15, 20 years. This started when I was in uh, Lexington, Kentucky, working at a station, and I started talking about why the business exists. And I can't tell you how many people would call me and say to give people jobs. If you believe that, you need to get off the sauce. I'm just telling you that right now, or you're you're puffing it up in the evening and you're high. Because that's not why a business gets started. Now, wait a second. Let me just say, there might be some business out there that's got some really rich dude running it. And that's why he started his business. But... I will say 99.999% start their businesses because they want to make a profit. They want to make a profit, which they use to support their family. So this is really important to a concept that needs to get through people's minds. Business is not there to help you except in in the idea of they make a widget that they, and I use widget as a general term, for you uh, that you will want so that they can sell it to you and they can make money off of selling it to you in a peaceful way. They don't force you to buy it. They don't make you pay for it. They... uh, get out they advertise it they show it to you and you make up your own mind if you want to part with your hard-earned cash to uh, buy that widget and it's a peaceful way of doing trade but there's so many people now that hate business they think every one of people who own a business are making money hand over fist which is not true 
just not true. Maybe, you know, a uh, multi-international corporation is that way. But most of your small mom-and-pop organizations typically making some money, but most of the time are treading water pretty fast as they can to keep their head above water. And right now, it's even worse. Uh, I'm glad that they sent him a life preserver from the federal government and the PPP. So I'm going to come back and we're going to talk about this and what kind of repercussions this can have. And if you want to get in on the conversation, you can. It's 823-0965. 823-0965. And I'll also let you know what's going on as far as the wonderful world of uh, reopening Arkansas is going. The governor had a presser yesterday and had some things to say about that. And we'll give you all the lowdown on that. That's all coming your way here in a moment. It's the Dave Ellswick Show on a Thursday morning. Uh, looking for a high of 75 degrees under sunny skies today in central Arkansas. All right, back with you here on the uh, the Dave Ellswick Show, looking at temperatures around the area. 49 here where I'm at in Cabot, 51 in Conway, 52 in Pine Bluff, 52 in Hot Springs, and in Little Rock right now. It's a chilly 49 degrees, but uh, we're going up to uh, the 70s today. It's going to be about 5 degrees warmer than it was uh, yesterday. So um, look for a high today of uh, 75 degrees. Uh, Friday, partly sunny, beautiful day. Tomorrow, 81 degrees uh, for the weekend. Uh, sunny skies, some patchy clouds. Uh, both days a little bit more clouds on Sunday than Saturday. 85 are high on Saturday. 80 degrees on Sunday. And just for you that are wondering, uh, going back to work day on Monday, humid clouds, some sun, and 84 degrees. So um, we're starting to move into that late springtime temperature range. Um, My son-in-law is coming over today to um, my house or tomorrow. We're not exactly sure. Uh, and help me take the top off the pool so we can uh, get the chemicals in and start getting the, the pool ready. It won't be ready to get into, believe me, uh, for several weeks yet. Uh, I was talking to my son-in-law. He's already opened his up, and the temperature of the water was uh, about 70 degrees, maybe a little bit lower. And uh, you get in that, that's cold water. That is cold water. I'm one of those people, Heidi. I'm 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 one of those people that like the uh, pool, and I got an above ground pool which warms up faster than an in ground pool. But uh, you know, I like it when it gets about 90 degrees outside, and all that heat is, you know, on the sides of the pool as well, and the the water is just a couple of degrees cooler than it is outside i mean enough that when you get in it you get you cool down a little bit but not uh uh, so cold uh that uh, you got to start moving around real fast to start getting the blood flowing so you feel like you get warm oh yeah i I feel the same way so yeah yeah Yeah. 
I'm I'm much more bath water than I am cold water in a pool. Just to be honest, That's, yes. And I don't I don't bathe in it, but I do like it to be fairly warm when I get into it. Mm-hmm. Uh, that's my thing. Because you know what, you get in and it's like that. When you get out and you got a little breeze or whatever, you cool down real fast. Yeah. No yeah. big no big deal. No big deal. Plus, you have your your adult beverage, whatever it might be that you're having, and. Sit in a chair, let the sun shine on you a little bit. It's great, man. Good old summertime. That's what I like, man. Mm-hmm. I, I, it's my favorite time of year. You used not Same. be. Same, yeah. It, it used to be I wasn't that way. I didn't like heat because uh-huh. I came. I come from up north. I, I grew up outside of Chicago. Mm-hmm. So it took me a while for my blood to thin. But my blood has thinned now in Arkansas, and I like it here. And, um, you know, I'm, I'm considering within the next... Uh, well, before my death of retiring, I don't don't know exactly what that's <laughs> well, going to be. Yeah, but uh, I'm thinking maybe uh, Arizona. I mean, I like oh. it even when it's in the hundreds. I mm. I like it when it's hot, mm-hmm. and so that's a that's a total different shift. That's a 180 for me. Oh yeah. All right, we're just about out of time here for this hour. Uh, I just want you to start thinking about what I was talking about because you can have a drastic effect on business as we know it and if you're a business owner i suggest you sit down with whomever your lawyer is and you talk this over and uh, you come up with uh, a business uh, decision about you know maybe you meet with your staff and say hey look uh, you don't wipe down a table. That's uh, you can be dismissed for that. I just think it's some things that you got to think about in the litigious society that we live in. Here's the news. You know, my right hand man or woman in this instance is uh, Elizabeth Sotolaro, and uh, she does a lot for me, and and does it of her own uh, volition. I I don't make enough money like Hannity or Rush or somebody like that to have a, you know, a staff that goes out and does a lot of background information for me on stories and things. What you hear on this show is typically what I dig up and from my, my guests who like to be on the show because they particularly like my my political ideology or whatever. But anyway, uh, Elizabeth sent me a story this morning, and I, I didn't even have this until just now, but I'm going to read some of this because Greg Gutfield from The Five on Fox evidently talked about litigation against uh, uh, companies. Uh, dealing because of the coronavirus. So let me read a little bit of this to you, just to let you know this has already started, this whole thing of going after companies. Airlines have been sued over grounded flights. Ticket brokers have been sued over canceled events. Insurers have been sued over coverage limits. Grocers and Internet retailers have been sued over rising prices. Internet retailers have been sued over, you know, it's taken them a long time to to get items to you. I mean, typically I could go on uh, uh, Amazon and order something and it gets to me within two days. Now it's taken sometimes two, three weeks. 
Hospitals have been sued over protective gear. Universities have been sued over closures. Amusement parks have been sued over unusable season passes. Ski resorts have been sued over refunds. Uh, Strip clubs have been sued for federal benefits. A church has been sued for holding services. Cruise lines have been sued for sailing with the virus. Cruise lines have been sailed for not sailing because of the virus. Banks have been sued for helping existing customers first. Gyms have been sued for collecting membership fees. Walmart was sued for allegedly allowing a sick worker to infect others. That's what I'm talking about right there. You who own businesses that you got to watch out about. Target's been sued over the efficiency of its hand sanitizer. Hooters has been sued over allegedly stinting on severance pay. Ride-hailing firms have been sued over sick leave. And multiple employers have been sued for allegedly firing workers who complained about safety measures. So maybe this is a suggestion everybody should consider, says Greg Gutfield. When the lockdown lifts, everyone should go back to work except the lawyers. Seriously, I think this is the first time we are starting a civilization with the burden of lawyers. What was it that uh, Shakespeare said? First thing we do is kill all the lawyers. Um, Now, that was in a way that so the king didn't have any problems. But bottom line, sometimes you think that way. Uh, When the world began, you didn't need a real estate lawyer to buy a cave. The witch doctor didn't have to get malpractice insurance. There are no recalls on the wheel. And do you think we'd even have fire if a lawyer was near? So to get us out of this hole, uh, we need lawyers to lighten up. Congress should attach legal immunity to these bailouts so companies and organizations don't get ruined again by some guy yelled cough in a crowded theater. Then when the economy returns, we can get back to suing the crap out of each other. This seems like a plan we can all get behind, except maybe the lawyers, which means it has to be good. That's what Greg Gutfield had to say. And it makes me smile. But, you know, when, when, you, when you have humor and you have uh, somebody doing some satire, there's a, there's a modicum or more than that of truth in what the person's saying. And I think he has a lot to say on that. Uh, Do me a favor, Elizabeth. I know you're listening. Post that on my Facebook for everybody to take a look at because um, I think it's going to cause problems for a lot of people and that we're going to hear uh, a lot of lawsuits uh, that we really shouldn't. And I hope that our legislatures are already... Uh, considering this and how to how to protect uh, businesses. Now, when I say that, I mean you you got to use common sense. And I know Mark Twain was right when he said common sense isn't very common anymore. But you know uh, you, you need to make sure you write it so that uh, you know somebody who's out there, some company that's out there, let's say, and is really gouging. Uh, people on, uh, you know, foods and things of that nature uh, because of uh, the uh, coronavirus. I mean, look, Walmart, and I forget who else is in this uh, 
uh, Costco. There's like three other, maybe uh, two other companies, Sam's and somebody else, uh, are being sued by several uh, states because of price gouging on eggs. Now, I brought this up last week. I mentioned it on the air, just an in aside. Uh, but uh, some people have been paying attention to this. You know, if you go up higher than 10%, they can look at you for price gouging. When I buy, I eat a lot of eggs. I love eggs. I mean, I'm all in with eggs. I'm all in with what they say, the incredible edible egg and how it's the perfect food and all of that kind of stuff. Uh, and I buy it in those boxes of 60 because I'll knock off 60 eggs in a week easy uh, during the course of the day cause, or course of the week because you don't have to eat them just scrambled or fried or whatever. You can make French toast. You can make pancakes. You can make cakes. You can make all kinds of stuff with eggs. And I love eggs. I really do. But I was bothered by, I, was, I think we went over and bought, uh, well, my wife went over. She doesn't allow me to go shopping now. Uh, I'm, I'm too weak and infirm. Uh, so, you know, I, I take out, you know, she wants me to keep my dentures out so that I look like Grandpa. But the bottom line is uh, she went over and bought eggs uh, and bought one of the big ones. And uh, it had jumped in price by about $3, a, uh, one of these big cartons. And I was like, how much were they? There's always six bucks. And they, she said, yeah. I said, man, that's from... Uh, you know, we just ran out three days ago from what we bought last week, and you're buying them, and they've jumped that high. I mean, what? I didn't know we had a new case of the bird flu, you know. And I started, I started questioning it, and now I've seen where AGs in the United States are going after uh, Walmart and some others for price gouging, and on top of that, uh, Walmart. I saw that their answer to that was that, hey, the chicken farmers are jacking the prices up because they're saying feed is so much more expensive and this and that is too much more expensive. So I want to see where this all works out. But, uh, you know, we've got these price gouging laws and it's going to be easy uh, for that to be proven, whether they're gouging or they're not. If they are under law right now, they can, uh, well, in, in Arkansas, think about this. For every item you gouge over, you could be, you could be. I'm not expecting Walmart to be or Sam's to be. I'm just saying you can be uh, hit with a $10,000 fine for every item that you're gouging. You know, they... They were going after some people about uh, stuff like, uh, you know, hand sanitizer and things of that nature. People bought it up off of Amazon and, and uh, toilet paper is a good example of, as that as well. I, I saw where, you know, people were trading their car for an eight-pack of toilet paper. Just saying. Uh, it's uh, some of the things that were going on at the time. All right, got a break coming up, and uh, we'll talk about this again in the future. But right now, let's take a break, and then when I come back, uh, the governor had a presser yesterday. Uh, he announced that they're going to start reopening restaurants. 
I'll give you all the uh, the rules that you're going to have to follow. One, if uh, you own a restaurant and what you're going to have to do to reopen. And two, if you want to go to a restaurant, there's rules that you'll have to follow as well. That's coming up next on the Dave Ellswick Show here at 101.1 FM. Uh, the answer, sunny skies today, high of 75, currently a little So we got a ways to go. Time to get that warmth going so we don't have to go out in a coat. A break, then more on the Dave Ellswick Show. All right, from the governor's office, here's what uh, they announced yesterday, what the governor announced yesterday. Restaurants in Arkansas can resume limited dine-in service beginning uh, May 11th, and I, I, that's, a two, that's a week from uh, this coming Tuesday. That, and that's under Phase 1 guidelines that require daily health screening of your staff, use of face masks and gloves, and strict social distancing. Uh, The governor said based on current data that shows we have slowed the spread of COVID-19, we've decided it's now safe to resume dine-in restaurant service with some common sense limits. This is a significant but cautious step on the path back to being normal. We will monitor the success of this step and move to phase two as quickly as we safely can. So phase one, here's the restrictions on dine-in service under the directive. Restaurants must limit the number of customers to one-third of their total capacity. Now understand, that uh, one-third total capacity is better than no capacity, but still maybe not enough capacity to pay for the overhead of opening the restaurant. Two, tables must be 10 feet apart so that diners will be seated six feet away from diners at other tables. Three, Each employee who directly interacts with patrons must wear a face mask that completely covers the nose and mouth. Kitchen staff and others are also encouraged to wear a mask. Next, each employee must wear gloves. Gloves should be changed between each customer, customer group, or task. Management must conduct a daily health screening of all employees before they enter the restaurant. An employee with a cough, sore throat, fever, or shortness of breath must not enter the restaurant. Patrons, now they're talking about you who goes to the restaurant, must wear a face covering until the food or drink is served. Salad bars, buffets, and other self-serve features will remain closed. Groups must be 10 or fewer customers. Tables, chairs, salt pepper shakers, condiment containers, and napkin holders will be cleaned and disinfected after each customer. 
bars and entertainment operations such as live music, in-seat gaming devices, or arcades are prohibited. Normal service of alcohol within the restaurant seating area is allowed. Restrooms should be disinfected frequently. Service may be declined to patrons not wearing a mask. These Phase 1 restrictions will remain in place until Secretary of Health Dr. Nate Smith determines that they may be relaxed or discontinued. No word on what Phase 2 will entail. But that's exactly what was unveiled yesterday uh, at the, uh, the presser with the governor. And uh, as I had said uh, several days ago, and just this morning as well, normalcy is not going to be what we're used to normalcy being uh, here in, uh, in, in Arkansas for a while. I mean, everybody who goes to the restaurant, when you arrive at the restaurant, so I'm, I'm getting this word out to you now, starting on May 11th, which is uh, two, or one week uh, from Tuesday, you got to have a mask on to enter into that restaurant and to be seated. And you have to keep the uh, mask on until your uh, order has been delivered. Now, if you're hoping to go to, you know, a buffet, you know, like uh, Golden Corral, for instance which I enjoy going to Golden Corral once in a while, uh, they're going to be still closed. They're not going to let those types of restaurants uh, open again. I assume what that means is that uh, if they open the Riverfront Steakhouse, which I would expect uh, that they will do, one of my favorite steakhouse, along with the, uh, the shop over there in West Little Rock, Another good steakhouse there. Uh, you know, the over at uh, Riverfront, they got a really good salad bar. I got to, you got to figure that that salad bar is going to stay empty and you don't get to use a salad bar. Just uh, part of the deal right now while they're, uh, while we're in this phase one uh, situation. And uh, they're going to have to, move tables around and uh, you can't have a crowd bigger than 10. 10 is the most you can have at a table at any given time and everybody got to wear a mask when they get there. Now the person who's serving you has got to wear a mask. They got to wear gloves and after they get done serving you they have to remove those gloves throw throw them away and put a new pair on. Got to have a new pair all the time and uh, I'm assuming they have to change gloves uh, after they take your order and they get it and they bring it to you. I would assume they have to uh, change their gloves again uh, because if they come back to your table, they got to have clean gloves on. I mean, it's going to be kind of like uh, you're going to be eating uh, dinner at the hospital with nurses uh, serving you. And... Now you get the you, you get the uh, idea, and you should understand what I was talking about. About if you're a owner of a restaurant, 
if um, you know if you're if you're Mr. Fletcher and you got Benny Hanna's over there and and you've got uh, the Riverfront Steakhouse you've got to sit down with your lawyer and take a, a, a long look at do you or do you not want to reopen? Is it worth the hassle with all of these phase one rules? I think for some restaurants, it don't matter what the hassle is. they got to reopen because they have to get some money coming in. But if you're able to hold out for a while longer, do you? And if you hold out for a while, does that mean you're, uh, you know, you're not going to lose your, your help? That may go somewhere else that does reopen. I mean, there's a lot of things that are going to go into this uh, for the business operators. And there's a lot of uh, things that are going to go into this uh, for you, the patron. You've got to make up your mind. I mean, I, I, uh, there's a couple of restaurants I can't wait till they open up. But let me read these again to you for you who want to go out and eat. You have to wear a face uh, mask covering until the food or drink is served. You can't go anywhere where they got a buffet, salad bars, or other self-serve features. Those all have to remain closed. Groups got to be 10 or fewer customers. If you're like me, got a big family, that can be a problem. Tables, chairs, salt, pepper shakers, condiment containers, and napkin holders have to be cleaned and disinfected after each customer. If you go to your favorite uh, restaurant and they typically have live music and stuff, they're not going to have that right now. They've said that uh, bars and entertainment operations, such as live music, in-seat gaming, and uh, arcades, are prohibited. But the bar area can be uh, remained open so they can make your favorite cocktail or serve your favorite beer. Service can be declined. I know there's some of you that, I don't want to wear a mask. Well, that's too bad. Because it's going to be no shirt, no shoes, no mask, no service. Warning you right now that that's coming up. All right, so uh, there's your new normal starting a week from Tuesday when you go out to uh, the uh, uh, restaurants. Uh, Later today, the governor is supposed to talk about, I think, hair salons and when they can reopen and what kind of uh, restrictions they're still going to have and going to have to meet. And I forget, there's... They're going to do churches, I believe, Monday. Uh, they're going to tell churches what they have to do to be able to have uh, uh, congregations come together again about that. So that means a lot of us will be watching our church services on YouTube again or Facebook this weekend. All right, out of time, coming back. Uh, a couple of interviews from yesterday I want to replay for you. Uh, you may not have heard them. Uh, We'll hear from uh, Majority Leader of the Senate, Bart Hester. We'll hear from Jason Rapert and what's going on in the Republican Party. That's all next here on the Dave Ellswick Show.
Tell you what, the uh, temperature is moderated out across the area. 50 in Cabot, 50 in Conway. Uh, a little warmer in Pine Bluff Hot Springs at 52 degrees. And Little Rock is the cool place here in central Arkansas right now. It's 49 degrees right now uh, in Little Rock. Looking for a high of 75 uh, on a sunny uh, Thursday and your uh, Friday. Get ready for the weekend day. Uh, it's going to be sunny and 82 degrees tomorrow. I'm, I think that tomorrow, Heidi, I'm going to be able to maybe for a few days put up my uh, my hoodies. Because uh, when the wind's blowing a little bit and it's going to get up to 75, that means it's going to be about 72-ish, maybe a little lower. You know, I don't like walking around just in a short sleeve at that point. And so I wear uh, I wear a hoodie at that time. So uh, that's the way it's looking. 75 degrees today under sunny skies. Currently, Little Rock at 49 degrees. Cold spot in central Arkansas right now. Same temperature as Fayetteville. How about that? All right. If you just joined us uh, last hour, we uh, talked about... Uh, you know, how many people were going to be suing companies uh, that are trying to reopen uh, during this reopening uh, going on uh, here in Arkansas that will get on in the diligence a week from Tuesday on the 11th. That's when restaurants following phase one rules uh, will be able to um, open their doors again. I'll be interested to see who does and who does not and uh, see how that all works. And then uh, there's other places that will open then as uh, the, the weeks go on. And it's, it's going to be a very kind of slow kind of thing. All right. Yesterday, uh, we uh, talked about some problems within uh, the caucus of the Senate Republican uh, Party. And we had a couple people on, and you may have missed uh, the interviews. I want to replay them here in 7 o'clock hour because you need to know what's going on. It's not every day you get to see what's going on behind the doors. I'm going to let you see that today. We'll start off with the majority leader. Uh, This is Bart Hester, State Senator Bart Hester. And everybody thought that he was going to be pro-Tim and then kind of got the rug pulled out from underneath of him and uh, State Senator Hickey right now is the pro tem elect so here's what uh senator hester had to say about what's going down state senator hester has been a well kind of a fixture on this show for since he got into the the legislature uh definitely during the general assembly he always comes over and spends time with us talks about his legislation and things of that nature uh the, the the fiscal session just got over, uh, Senator. Give us a, a a rundown of how you think that went. Did it go okay? Well, it went really well, uh, considering the circumstances. Right, we did what normally takes us, you know, four or five or six weeks to do. We did in, um, uh, you know, we did in a matter of a week and a half, and we got the people's business taken care of. We made not as dive too deep into the details as normal, but um, we got the business handled. And really, the most important thing is we were able to implement uh, mandatory cuts um, 
if the funding's not there, right? So we're prepared for the outcome of the corona uh, on the state budget. From what I heard, that's going to be about, uh, if necessary, about 15 percent straight across the board. Is that is that right? It's basically correct. Uh, straight across the board, with the exception of uh, K-12 education, with the exception of uh, prisons, and with the exception of uh, DHS grants. Like, you know, we got to make sure that uh, our most needy are taken care of. Right. Um, the exception of those, it's 15 percent. Uh, we think with forecasts it will only be five percent but we're prepared for really the worst yeah i I got a question for you you know 15 percent across the board uh when you one of the big problems you ran into with education is of course the lakeview case still like a black cloud hangs over this state is there are are you guys ready to revisit that and and try to hammer out a different deal uh, for for uh, school finance here in uh, in Arkansas? Because if I'm right, you tell me if I'm wrong. But uh, I have heard that almost sixty cents of every tax dollar is dedicated towards education here in the state. Well, you know, it, it certainly is, and. and I don't think you're going to find anybody that argues that it's not a, a worthy cause to spend our tax dollars on. But um, I, I never like to make decisions based on, oh, well, we might get sued. Um, uh-huh. My argument is let somebody sue us and let's go back to court because I tell you, it, it's a different day in Arkansas. It's a different Supreme Court. Um, and th- there's two methods to revisit what's called the late U case. It's either the attorney general um, uh, goes and asks the courts for reconsideration uh, or we just – or we make some drastic changes on the funding side, and, and then the state gets sued again, and we see how that goes. But uh, either way, it's really got to go back through the court system. When when Bruce Westerman, now Congressman Westerman, was serving uh, in the legislature, one of the things that he wanted to do was to move more towards a um, – uh, a methodology that every every family would get X amount of dollars uh, from the Treasury for their children to go to school. He felt that got around the Lakeview case because every and there was an equity an equity of funding uh, that way, uh, but that never ever happened. It, does there seem to be an appetite here in Arkansas to move in that direction, or does everybody just want to stay with the status? quo and and not have to get their hands real dirty and fight about this well i I think look we've got governor hutchinson's going to be rolling into his last session and you've got a republican supermajority in the senate the house and the governor and there are certain republican platform issues that i feel like must be addressed in this final session and one of them is uh what we call the school choice or 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 giving more options uh, to families uh, on education i think that's going to be a big one when we come up and i think it's something the republicans have to deliver on let's get to what i wanted to really talk to you about i told you i wanted to talk about it and uh to be kind of tell you i was a little bit surprised that you had no problem talking about it because i gotta think that uh, you're still stinging a little bit about what happened and that was the recent vote for pro tem i'll be honest i thought you were shooing uh for pro tem and ended up that uh, hickey is uh, state senator hickey is going to be the pro tem and uh, State Senator Jason Rapert has uh, been out, out there, and he'll be on later in the show, uh, talking about how he felt uh, within the caucus, the Republican caucus, a betrayal had occurred and that uh, the betrayal had been uh, directed towards you. Do you feel that way? 
I don't say a betrayal towards me. I feel like it's more towards the Republican. But I'll tell you, Dave, uh, given the options, winning is certainly better than losing. Uh, mm-hmm. That is ever occurred in a, in a race like this. But um, look, uh, you know, one thing I can say about Senator Hickey is. Uh, he told me what he was doing. Uh, he was very clear with members of our caucus that he intended to work with the Democrats to um, to try to get elected, and 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 that's what he did, right? Uh, we've since uh, since we since since the Republicans took over, Michael Lamro said, uh, um, uh, came to us and you know uh, said, hey guys, here's the deal. We're in charge now. We need to make a deal that the Republicans are going to fight within ourselves when we pick who who wins within our caucus, then we're all going to support them. Uh, that is held uh, for eight years until now. Uh, I won the vote within our caucus. Um, and then uh, Senator Hickey partnered with a minority of the caucus and uh, the Democrats to get what's uh, the current nomination. What was it about what was going on? I mean, you're known as a, a solid conservative. What what was the, the problem here? I mean, did they think you were too solid of a conservative? Uh, were they afraid that that uh, you know you know with it being the final general assembly for the governor, uh, you know you're looking at a situation where um, perhaps uh, members of the Republican caucus won't be as easy going with the governor as they have been in the past because you know a lot of his uh, power is slowly dwindling away. So you know what. What was the overriding factor here about Senator Hickey wanting to get involved after the caucus evidently had basically said you were the man? Yeah, again, I'll say that, you know, Senator Hickey was up up front about that. And, uh, you know, so it it wasn't some uh, uh, knife in the back deal uh, at all. But look. I feel like, you know, as we're rolling into the last session, there was some there was some argument over geography, possibly, that uh, the governor's from northwest Arkansas. Should the uh, pro tem also be from northwest Arkansas? Uh, But look, uh, you you can always make that point when you don't have a good argument. Right. At the end of the day, if the Republicans Uh are looking for a conservative, it wasn't even close uh, on who who should lead them. Um, I've got an eight year uh, record of being clearly the more conservative leader uh, on on policy on on each issue uh, and i'll tell you you know if the argument is i'm not going to stand up to the governor enough i think i've also got eight year history uh, or six years with the governor when he's right i'm 100 percent in this corner and when i disagree i'm not in this corner uh, that's uh, that's no surprise to anyone at the capitol so what amongst i mean i'm i'm going to ask you have you talked to the people uh that you think perhaps voted for senator hickey and asked them why did they uh, do that? Because if, if you guys met in caucus, they must have said, yeah, we're voting for you, and then turned around and kind of pulled the rug out from underneath of you. Well, I, th- I think it was a, a lot of members that just, just didn't say, right? Um, uh-huh. And you know, you know how it is in a campaign when you don't want to tell somebody no. You just say, oh, you're a great guy. You'll do a great job leading. And, uh, uh-huh. So they're not definitive. But I'll tell you, you know, there, there, there is a time for accountability. I think you'll hear that from Jason Rayford. Um, you know, we will meet as a caucus, and we'll We'll talk about it because, look, um, what, what some members think is a, is a win is a very short-term win. But what it says is it's decimating the Senate because the Democrats will, for, for, for the future, pick the pro tem if this is how we go. It will take, you know, the Democrats and a minority Republicans. It's not what the people of Arkansas want. It's not what they expect. It's not the right thing for the Senate, uh, irregardless of my race. 
um, there needs to be uh, needs to be some public voting. Um, people need to be accountable uh, when they when they don't side with the Republicans. Uh, their voters need to know that. Well, when the schism started appearing and there was a fight going on, as you know, uh, Senator, I've been involved in Republican politics here in the state, low almost twenty years, and uh, it it really caught me off guard what happened because yeah i i had always heard when when you guys made a just made a decision in the in the um, in the caucus and and for everybody who's listening hey look let me tell you what there's arguments in the caucus people believe different things and so that's all hashed out but when you find out that perhaps what the way you believe isn't the way the rest of the caucus believes uh it's at that point that you know you 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 kind of figure out how you can work what you want to do with the caucus and uh, that doesn't seem to be the case here are are we having any problem because i've been outspoken about this and that is you know i think we've allowed some democrats into the republican party who said you know i want to change over to be a republican and i don't believe that philosophically they have changed over and i think that makes a problem were those people a problem in this in this issue do you think you know, that's, that's going to be very interesting to find out, uh, really. I mean, you're going to have three more state senators after me. Uh, ask them how they voted and why. Uh, you know, I don't know, but I'll tell you, a, a beautiful thing about being a Republican is we are independent thinkers. We're liberty-minded. And if you say, hey, you're all going to vote this way, it, it, it's a challenge, right? They have to believe in the in the, in the, in the bigger cause that uh, um, uh, of, what, of, what the, of what the party and the platform and what we're all trying to get done here. So I'm uh, again. I'm not angry at anybody for disagreeing, uh, but you know, really, when the Republicans uh, make a choice on something as important as leadership, we can't allow the Democrats to uh, to break that up. Okay. So when's the next time that the caucus will meet? You know, we'll meet sometime in May. Uh, we usually meet when there's a lot of meetings going on at the Capitol. Um, so we'll meet in May and we'll talk about it and we'll talk about it as a group. And uh, you know, I'm still the majority leader, and so I have a responsibility to say, "Hey, guys, look." Uh, this is not good for now or or moving forward. And uh, and so, yeah, I think we'll have a very transparent conversation about what happened and how to prevent this moving forward. Because the reality is what we all know is that if whoever's running for pro tem next time, uh, they're going to start courting the Democrats immediately now. That means compromising on votes. That means compromising on uh, who you're helping with certain things. It's It's really not the right move for Arkansas. Where are you at right now, Senator, about what your future holds? Well, you know, that's a, that's a great question, Dave. Look, I, I think you're going to see the same Bart Hester that you've seen uh, a long time. I'm going to, you know, fiercely fight for what I believe in the conservative cause, but I'm also going to um, be a good colleague. I want to work well with with all members on the Republican and the Democrat side when I can. Uh, but look, here, here's what's going to happen moving forward. It has to happen. Um, things have got to become more transparent. Um, we, we can't vote secretively on the floor anymore. Uh, the, the people that we represent deserve to know how we vote on leadership, uh, same as they do up in D.C. Uh, when you're going to vote, they stand up and say, you know, I'm I'm Bruce Westerman from Arkansas, you know, and, I, and I'm voting for, um, you know, whoever for uh, to be our leader. And so I think that's what I'm going to really push for here. That's going to be the big change. I think it's going to be a win for Arkansas. It's going to be a win for the voters. Uh, There needs to be public voting and transparency in what we do. Senator Hester, thanks for your time. We appreciate it. I look forward to seeing you again next year uh, when the general session gets underway. Thanks for having me. There's uh, Senator Bart Hester. He's a great guy and uh, very transparent.
in uh, what he had to say. Let's take a break, and then we'll come back, finish up this hour. Next hour, i got to tell you what, we're going to listen to an interview I did uh, with uh, State Senator Jason Rayford, and I got several calls later from other state senators who wanted to remain anonymous right now and said when the caucus gets together in May, Senator Rayford may not be happy with what they have to tell him. That's coming your way. Stick around for more of the Dave Ellswick Show. All right, don't forget about PI Roofing. Uh, I've been talking about Joel and Veronica Johnson's business since they started about 14, 15 years ago. And uh, they do a fantastic job. They just do it right. Number one, they're people with really good character, and they take really good care of their clientele. Uh, They're good Christian folks. Uh, and uh, I can just tell you, I've never heard anybody say they screwed them over. Uh, they, they just do a really, really, really good job and treat everybody with respect. They've, they even treated me with respect, and I'm hard to give respect to sometimes. But, uh, you know, they did my roof several years back, about 10 years now, and uh, did a great job. And we had a little problem with the felt underneath, and... I got this ripple effect looking on my roof, and there's no ifs, ands, or buts about it. Uh, They came out, looked at it, and said, yep, that was defective felt that they sent us. They went in. they They took all of the shingles off. They took the felt off, put new felt down, new shingles down, not a, not a dime out of my pocket. They did a fantastic job, and my, my uh, roof has been in great shape ever since they did it. I do have to get them out to let them walk the roof uh, about every four years. I have them come out and look at it just to see if the, you know any kind of hail has done any problem. I should have them come out this week and look at it because we had some pretty good pieces of hail falling uh, the other night during those... Uh, line of thunderstorms that came through but uh, they understand we live in different times right now and you may not want to see them face to face and and they'll take care of that they will uh, set up their social distancing and you can do all of your work with them over the phone or over the internet just go to piroofing.com or call them at 707-3551 i think i'm going to give them a call today set them up for next week come and look at the roof here at the Ellswick household. It's PI Roofing, piroofing.com. All right, while well, I got a moment here before we get to the bottom of the hour, I got a couple of minutes. Numerous top officials on the board of the University of Delaware, which is refusing to release Joe Biden's Senate records despite an earlier promise to do so, have close personal and financial ties to the former vice president. And the chairman of the board even bought Biden's house in 1996 for $1.2 million, reportedly the top dollar price given its condition. The document suggests a significant conflict of interest as Biden faces increasing pressure to uh, relinquish the documents that could contain information relevant to Tara Reid's sexual assault allegation Uh, against him. Biden dropped off 1,875 boxes of photographs, documents, videotapes, and files, and 415 gigabytes of electronic records to the University of Delaware in 2020. 
12. The university initially said it expected to make the records available to the public two years after Biden's last day in elected public office in April 19th. Uh, 2019, just hours before Biden announced his current presidential bid, the university changed its mind, said the papers wouldn't be released until December 31st, 2019, or two years after Biden retires from public life. You figure it out. I don't. Uh, it's pretty commonsensical. You think about it. We come back, Jason Raper. But right now, let's hear what uh, Rush has to say on Rush's minute update. All right, back with you, Dave Ellswick show. Uh, we played uh, the majority leader uh, of the uh, uh, Senate here uh, in Arkansas the last half hour. Uh, that, of course, uh, uh, Hester. Uh, we're going to play uh, State uh, Senator Jason Rapert now, repeat of an interview I did yesterday. Uh, there's some bad blood brewing in the Republican caucus and uh, – I'm going to tell you what, did this interview yesterday, I had several calls later from uh, Republican uh, members that are not, let me just say, big, big N-O-T flashing right now, not happy with what the state senator had to say. Well, you want to know what he said? Here it is. We welcome State Senator Jason Rapert uh, to the Dave Ellswick Show. Full disclosure, I've uh, supported the state senator every time he's run uh, for office. I've appeared at fundraisers for him. I've done a lot of different things for him uh, because I believe that he was the right man for the area that he was representing, and he, I don't think that he's let us down, to be honest. And, uh, Jason, we thank, thank you. you for joining us today and being part of the Dave Ellswick Show. Uh, Senator, I'm having you on because you wrote a mischief on your Facebook uh, uh, here just a, a few days ago dealing with this whole uh, pro-Tem race in the Republican Party. Of course, the Republican Party holds the majority, so they elect the pro-Tem, who, the man who will be Right. You know, directing, you know, what's going to happen, so to speak, during the next next session uh, starting in 21. And uh, it didn't go as a lot of people thought it was going to go. And uh, you had a few things to say about it. Why don't you just tell my listeners about your thoughts here? Sure. Well, first of all, thank you for your kind words, Dave. You have been a great friend to me, and uh, I don't take your support lightly. It's something I have to earn every day, and I appreciate that after 10 years, you're still able to say that and appreciate it. But let me get to the to the issue. Obviously, this is, this is a partisan issue uh, because it has to do with the fact that when the voters of a state elect a majority to lead in our state, they expect that majority's will to to truly lead in different areas, whether it's on committees or leading in the House or leading in the Senate. And so every couple of years as we prepare for the next General Assembly, we have what is called a Senate pro tem election, and that is choosing one of the 35 state senators that will sit as your president pro tem and be in that position for the Senate. Well, as you know, in 2012, the Republicans took over. I had won in 2010, Dave, and so just after my first session in 11, there was an election for the Senate pro tem, and it happened to have been Senator Larry Teague out of Nashville, a Democrat. 
Right. But after the November election that came uh, th- in the next cycle, it so happens that uh, Senator Teague was not the pro tem because Republicans took over. And that's when Senator Lamoureux was chosen as our first Republican pro tem since the Civil War, if you remember. Yes. So here's where we're at today. We've actually continued to have the different parties will meet together and choose who's going to be their nominee. And so every year that's been consistent until this year. And so what we had happen this year with 26 Republicans in the Arkansas Senate and with only nine in the Democrat Party, oddly, strangely, when the Republican caucus nominated Senator Bart Hester of Northwest Arkansas to be our nominee, everybody expected that he would when we went out on the floor because we have a huge majority. Well, surprisingly, through a secret ballot process, when the votes were counted, Bart Hester lost that, and Senator Jimmy Hickey of Texarkana got that position. It so happens that Senator Hickey had come in to us and told us that he was not going to run in the Republican caucus election, that he was just going to run on the floor of the Senate. And that let us all know that he really wasn't interested in what the GOP majority had to say he was going to go ahead and run regardless. And I know this is kind of in the details, Dave, but here's the bottom line. The Republicans have a clear majority in the Senate, and the will of the Republican majority should be what carries the day when it comes to that number one leadership position. And so the background on that is Senator Hickey, after he was elected in 2012, had run for pro tem against Jonathan Dismayne. He lost that in the caucus. He ran against Senator Hendren. He lost that in the caucus. And so this time he decided to go his own way. And it's very clear that he worked with the Democrats and a handful of Republicans to pull off what you might as well say is a political coup on the floor of the Arkansas Senate. I had Senator Hester on, and uh, I asked him what he thought were, you know, the biggest problems with what happened. Uh, He said that, you know, even when he looked at the, he he looks back because you know we all know hindsight's twenty twenty. Right. Uh, that a lot of, that several people told him, yeah, you know, they they thought he was doing a good job and blah blah blah. Maybe they didn't give him full throated uh, support. But the bigger thing that he said was two things. One, uh, he was still majority leader, and he believed we had to have transparency and that that, right. sec- that secret ballot needed to go away. And secondly, right. uh, that this was a way of giving Democrats more leverage. I mean, it's not going to give them any more power than nine votes that they got already, but it does give them more leverage. Yeah, Dave, you know you know how that is. The, the folks that brought you to the dance, they expect something in return. And the Democrats historically have never done anything without requiring something from that. And it is unfortunate. Here's where I stand. When I ran for office, I took leave of my private business. As you know, I've gone through a lot of sacrifice. I've absolutely stood up and fought for conservative Christian values, for Republican values since I've been here. I am a Republican when it comes to where my values are, and I'm proud to be a Republican, and I'm going to fight and stand up for the Republican majority in our state. No disrespect personally to anybody at all, including Senator Hickey. But the fact is, twice he lost in our caucus in previous elections, and he didn't even want our support when it came to this one, or at least didn't want the GOP caucus's support. And so 
I believe that this cannot stand. There must be open elections. You know, I've challenged um, my, my members since there's obviously some lying going on <laughs> on the yeah. Senate floor. Uh, I've said, step up and say who you voted for. Look, uh, you didn't elect me or anyone else to the Arkansas Senate to come in and say, I'm sorry, I'm not going to tell you who I supported when it comes to the leadership of the Senate. This is a public office, and you should have public disclosure about what you do. And so I stood up and said, I absolutely stood by the GOP caucus to support Senator Hester, and I'm calling for a public vote after the November election, just like happened previously, and I want senators to stand up and say who they support. If that ends up being Senator Hickey, then I guess that would be one thing. But according to what the GOP majority said, if it had been public the other day, Senator Bart Hester would be your nominee for pro tem in the upcoming General Assembly. Well, I'll let you know, State Senator, that I talked to about a third of the Republican caucus yesterday. Uh, You -hmm. know, I've been involved in Republican politics for 20 years now. So, you know, people will talk to me and and they may not talk to me on record, but they'll talk to me. And, Mm -hmm. And from what I have been able to ascertain, what this kind of came down to is are the Republicans going to follow their platform or no platform? And is the Republican majority uh, going to to govern as Republicans? I, I was shocked at how many people it seemed like to me were concerned that uh, that the, the Republican Senate, state Senate, has become kind of a rubber stamp for the governor and has given up their 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 co-equal status uh, with the governor as far as uh, governing Arkansas goes. That's a real good line, isn't it, Dave? They've had a few days to figure out how they're going to try to explain that after they voted for Senator Hester in the caucus by majority, that they turn around and some of them absolutely stab him in the back working with Democrats to upend the will of the Republican majority. Now, listen, all due respect, this is simply down to what majority party has control. And when you work with Democrats and you go behind the backs of your Republican colleagues, and you actually violate a pledge that was very clear in our caucus. We have races within the caucus, but we pledge to support our nominee on the floor, and that didn't happen. I believe that you keep your word. I believe that you be loyalty, loyal to the party that you work with. I believe that you be honest with your colleagues. And right now, that has been upended on the Ark in the Arkansas Senate. That has to be rectified and it has to be made right. Now, as far as the Republican majority thinking they're a rubber stamp, well, just let me ask you: the public elected Asa Hutchinson, correct? Yeah. The public also elected every one of us. Obviously, there's going to be a lot of policies that we agree on because those policies were stated when we began to run. Now, I don't agree with everything that Asa Hutchinson has done. That's been made public before. But what I am able to do is to work with him, and I even work with Democrats when we have to work on policies that benefit the state. But this is about leadership of the Arkansas Senate by the Arkansas Republican Caucus in the Senate. And that situation was upended because of some double dealing, working with the Democrats. And I'm not for that. And I don't think the Republicans in Arkansas would be for that either. All right. We got another seven minutes I want to play for you. But first, we got to get some uh, uh, 
payment for bills going, so we want to do that. I want to remind you that according to Forbes magazine, 96% of Americans, that's 96, that's a decided majority, claim their Social Security benefits at the wrong time. And that mistake costs you an average of $111,000. Can you afford to lose $111,000 over your retirement? Uh, I know I could Learn how you could avoid this with a free Social Security analysis from David Lucas Financial right here in North Little Rock. If you've saved more than $250,000, have not filed for Social Security, then be one of the first 10 callers to schedule your free analysis right now at 501-222-3315. That's 501-222-3315. 501-222-3315. The free analysis can be done over the phone or video conference. Uh, Investment advisory services offered through David Lucas Financial, an Arkansas registered investment advisor. More with Senator Rapert when we return. State Senator Jason Rapert is on with us, and uh, we're talking about this recent uh, uh, caucus versus floor vote uh, that Jimmy Hickey won. And now he's got uh, the inside track to being uh, the pro tem. Let me make sure that everybody understands that after the election come November, he could be, you know, not be the pro tem. Is that not correct? Uh, Correct. That's exactly right. We have what is called an organizational meeting. And the the principle is that the 92nd General Assembly, which is now the senators that serve in that, cannot bind the 93rd General Assembly, which will include some new senators and hopefully some new Republicans in the Senate. It cannot bind them to their decision. And so what happens is that we vote on our rules for the Senate going forward, including the Senate pro tem. And so there will be another organizational vote. And as happened in 2012, uh, the nominee that was chosen just like recently here with Senator Hickey was totally changed after the November election. And so what I hope is there will be a public vote and that Republican senators will stand up and support their Republican nominee for that position, just like we tried to do the other day. All right, so it's it's your thought, and and even uh, Hester's thought, I believe, that if there is no private vote and everything is transparent, that this vote even would have been totally different. So uh, Bart Hester told me you guys meet again in May. This is mm-hmm. a, a major topic that's going to be discussed in the caucus. Uh, mm-hmm. Do you think that the vote is going to be given up and uh, it's going to be transparent and everybody know how everybody's voting? Well, I will tell you this, that I'm sure those that, that lied to Senator Bart Hester and told him they, they were going to support him, they won't want a public vote. But we're going to push for it. Look, it's important to take a stand for what's right. And I'm very, very, very uh, committed that when somebody gives their word, they should keep their word. And I don't mind that somebody opposes me or opposes me on a policy or anything of that nature, but be upfront about it. But the Arkansas Republican Party has worked so hard, Dave, you included, to ensure there's a Republican majority. And when that Republican majority is thwarted working with Democrats, here's the problem with that. 
every time that we've passed pro-life legislation, and you know I worked hard on the heartbeat bill in 2013, yep. and we've, passed, we've now become the second most pro-life state in the country through the help of my Republican colleagues. But you know who fought us every time we went to the table? Democrats. When we've tried to pass pro-Second uh, Amendment legislation in our state, guess who pulled up to the table to vote against us and to thwart us? It was Democrats. Guess who has fought us every time we've tried to pass pro-business legislation to make Arkansas a better place to live, work, and raise our families? It is Democrats. So do you think I trust somebody that wants to go out there and make a deal with Democrats? No way. I'm a Republican. I stand for Republican values. I'm not out here with all these never-Trumpers and these anti-Trumpers that is constantly nitpicking the country, nitpicking the Republican Party. We stand for something, and if we don't stand together, what do we have? And so I'm going to continue to stand up for the Republican Party, and I encourage and I plead with my Republican senators, stand up and stay united with each other. Don't let these people make deals with you behind the scenes to violate our pledges. Yeah, you mentioned uh, the caucus pledge. I had not heard that particular term. Is there a written pledge that you all agree to or, or what? Here's the thing. Did you ever play, you ever play ball, basketball, oh, or baseball? Yeah, or football? I, yeah I played baseball yeah. all the way through college. Yeah. So when you're on a team, what do you do? You work with and fight for your team. <laughs> so it's pretty clear when the team is in the, in the locker room putting together their plays and talking about what they're going to do, they stick together, everything falls apart on the field, doesn't it? Yep. Correct. That's exactly the concept with the Republican caucus or even the Democrat caucus on their side. And so we are supposed to be 35 people up there representing 3 million Arkansans. It's very clear, and it should not be something that somebody tries to trip up on and say we didn't have something written here or written there. It's a caucus where you work together. I use the term pledge. You can use other terms, but the bottom line is we discuss the fact that once we decide who the money is, we will support them on the floor. That's the way it's always been. I know get folks out there trying to say, oh, well, it wasn't in writing or, oh, it wasn't this. There was no question in any senator's mind, once the GOP nominee is chosen, we stand together and support that nominee. Look, when you've got people that are trying to excuse something they did that violates the unity of the GOP caucus, they get real creative about their excuses in doing so. And look, it's real simple to me. I'm a Republican. People elected me to serve as a Republican senator, and I'm going to work with Republicans to ensure that we have the majority will in the Arkansas legislature when it comes to setting policy and setting leadership. We won't always agree on every single thing, but we can at least agree that when we say we're Republicans, that we work with Republicans and not Democrats to get positions of power. Final question for you, Senator. And we talked about this uh, transparency in the vote. Uh, let's ha- let me ask about this about the the whole thing about the idea of a caucus pledge. We have a state platform for the Republican Party. It, do you think it's time that there in the Republican uh, uh, legislature that you all write up uh, this pledge and that that members say that they will adhere to it? Well, let me just say this. A long time ago, business, I was doing business with a guy, and he had not held up his end of the deal, right? 
Okay. And he said, I, he said, I'm a man of my word. I said, you know what, sir, I'm a man of my word, too. In fact, I'm such a man of my word, I don't mind to put it in writing. Uh-huh. And so and so now that I'm aware that we've got some folks that don't understand what it means to, to stand up for your word, I absolutely would be happy for us to sit down and put out some rules of the road for them so they understand. Now, it's unfortunate we're not in high school here running a student council. We're in the Arkansas Senate. They ought to be able to stick with their word. But if that's what it takes... And you need to make it clear so nobody has an excuse to try to say they didn't know they were supposed to support Republicans. I'm all for it, Dave. State Senator Jason Rayford here on the Dave Ellswick Show. We'll let you go. Get on with your day. We'll talk to you Thank later. You. Thank you very all right, much. Thanks. All right. That was my interview with uh, State Senator Jason Rayford. And uh, to say that it hits some raw nerves is an understatement. I had several calls yesterday for from elected Republican officials and from the Senate and the House, and they were not happy uh, with the uh, the, the uh, state senator. Uh, I, this is not going away. I believe that the next meeting of the caucus is May 15th. Uh, I'm sure that we'll hear about what went down uh, after that. Uh, coming up in the next hour, uh, Robert Steinbach is going to join me. There's some uh, uh, interesting stories yet to talk about. Want to talk to him about liability uh, on this reopening. Want to talk about uh, General Flynn and uh, the information now that's come out. And there's written notes uh, that shows the FBI targeted the general. They were out to put his, if not put his butt behind bars, to at least get him fired. We'll talk about that. And finally, the new unemployment numbers, I'll have that for you as well. But right now, let's get a little bit of music before we get to the break. News is coming your way. Then Robert will join us, and we got a lot yet to talk about in the final hour of the Thursday edition of the Dave Ellswick Show. Stand by. Dave Ellswick show a Thursday, and uh, we've got national news and local news to talk about. And we got a national story that has local uh, implications to talk about. 
here on the uh, the Dave Elswick Show. Robert Steinbach, uh, law professor at Bowen School of Law, joins us. His opinion, by the way, is his and his alone, not necessarily those of uh, the Bowen School of Law or the university. Keep that in mind. And uh, I wanted to let you know, uh, Robert, that On Monday, I will send a letter to uh, the Honorable Barry Hyde, the Pulaski County judge, under Mm -hmm. the Arkansas Freedom of Information Act, requesting Mm -hmm. electronic copies via email or electronic disk for any records received from Rainwater, Holt, and Sexton or any other of their attorneys or other attorneys relating to advice about red flag laws, Second, Second Amendment sanctuary legislation resolutions or Bill of Rights sanctuary legislation resolutions and uh, saying if there's any fees that extend $10, we want to know about that as well. Uh, I, I wanted to ask you about this for the simple reason that uh, are, are they open? Is he at, in his office during this time or not? Do you know? I don't know, uh, but I suspect that uh, they might use that as a reason to delay their response if they, if they're not open. But I don't know okay. whether they're open or not. Okay, I just I just was wondering because uh, that just started uh, just passed past me today uh, in my thought well, I, process. I do appreciate you and your listeners continuing to be vigilant in general about seeking information from public officials um, such as uh, Barry Hyde and others, and I've got nothing against or for Barry Hyde. I don't know him. Uh, He is, as you may recall, a defendant in the case in which I'm representing Chris Corbett, attorney Chris Corbett, uh, to make sure that the law that's not being enforced now, which allows attorneys as officers of the court to carry guns into courthouses, etc., uh, uh-huh. be, be enforced. I think I was a little repetitive there. Uh, because uh, the courts in Pulaski County and elsewhere in the state uh, tell attorneys they're not allowed to carry guns in the courthouse when, in fact, the law says opposite. Uh, and you can thank, amongst many others, Bob Ballinger for getting on top of that. Uh, and so uh, Barry uh, is a defendant in name only. Well, not in name only, but you sue the the, the head of the county. That's how you do it. Uh, right. And so he's a defendant in that case. Yeah. All right. So first big story that's out there. I didn't get a chance to talk about it in the last hour. Let's talk about it for a few moments. More than 3.8 million Americans filed for unemployment last week. That's according to the Labor Department. Uh, as the tidal wave of job losses triggered by the coronavirus pandemic continues to grow. Now, let me just say this. Uh, yes, it continues to grow. But it's beginning to abate somewhat. I mean, we had one week where it was like uh, nearly, I think, 10 million, and now we're down six weeks, 3.8. It's that's not that's not great news, but it's better news than uh, if it had stayed at seven or eight million. The new report covers uh, the week ending April 25th, pushes the six-week total of job losses to 30.2 million. Unemployment at this scale hasn't been 
recorded since the Great Depression, which peaked at 25 percent. Right now, uh, when you look at these uh, numbers, we're at about 18 percent. And and these are self-inflicted, so to speak. It's our government that closed down businesses and all the rest because of the pandemic and it's caused uh, all these people their jobs it's not like the economy tanked and people lost their jobs uh the the economy uh tanked but because it was because the federal and state governments told it it had to tank with, with well, it's that, even more than that dave let's be yeah. clear so if you read the new york times they say well all of trump's gains in the economy uh, are lost and his claims that he had the strongest economy were entirely false i love how they make these blanket assertions that th- they can't back up and then they turn around and say oh trump is a revisionist historian when he makes these uh, boasting claims and they make the opposite sort of negatively boasting claims about trump and claim they are true well yeah. i think one can absolutely assert that under trump we've had the best economy in modern american history now yes. i think that's a subjective claim i think well what are you measuring are you measuring rise in the stock market are you me- measuring drop in unemployment so there are various factors you can measure and how and which ones you hold to be the most important will determine your overall assessment. So first of all, the Trump's assessment was a perfectly legitimate one, even if you disagree. Secondly, when they say, well, the economy has collapsed. No, it hasn't. That's a false claim. Well, Rob, what about all those job losses? What about all all the, the drop in the stock market? Yes, those are events. Those have occurred. Those are facts. But they are, as you aptly say, Dave, imposed by the government they are artificial don't get me wrong the people who are out of work that ain't artificial in terms of their paychecks but it's artificial as in, as to the cause meaning once you open back up you should expect that to turn right around and when you have a real recession or a real depression you are you don't have a mechanism by which to immediately start the reversal of that process once we open back up obviously you will see an uptick in employment you will see an uptick in the stock market will it go to where it was immediately no because these things take some time but to claim that it is a, a recession caused by trump that is false and i'm sorry and it does not reflect how finance works and how economics works well let me make a illustration here (laughs) just because you call off a football season does not necessarily mean that the athletes will be out of shape they may be still working out and, and getting ready to go and, and whatnot so that when the owners and uh, the network say, okay, we're going to start on this day and we're going to start playing again, that within just a few weeks, uh, those uh, players can be 100% ready to get out on the field and get at it. And I look at add- the... 
Go ahead. Well, let me add one thought, Dave, because that's a wonderful analogy. Think about it this way. Let's say there's a strike. You and I remember when there was a strike in the NFL. And, you know, I know nothing about sports. Right? So let's say there's a strike in football, and then the news reports, zero viewership of football. Well, there's zero viewership because there's a strike, not because people aren't interested in football. Mm -hmm. The same way there's a huge drop in economic activity now, but not because people don't want to work, because people don't want to hire, and because there isn't uh, a drive, a force, a momentum for economic activity. No, because the government put a uh, wet blanket on the economy by design, intentionally and temporarily. Yeah, absolutely. And so uh, the governor had a presser yesterday, and they're going to allow restaurants to begin to reopen uh, on a a week from this coming Tuesday. Now, when we come back, I want to read the the different rules that uh, restaurants are going to have to uh, meet and patrons are going to have to meet. And I agree with some, and I think others are pretty downright stupid uh we'll talk about it uh when we continue so dave ellswick show it's a thursday uh you're listening to 101.1 fm the answer and uh, sunny skies today it is a beautiful morning right now a little bit chilly but a beautiful morning nonetheless with all the sunshine and 75 degrees is our high right now we're at let's see in cabot we've moved up to 50 little rock uh, we're at 50. Conway, we're at 50. Hot Springs, Pine Bluff, we're at 52. More coming your way with Robert Steinbach and myself in just a moment. 19 after a be glad you didn't hear that uh, discussion between segments in that last, last break we just took. All right, so the governor held a presser yesterday, made the statement they're going to allow restaurants to begin opening again a week from Tuesday. They're not forcing them to open. If you're a restaurant, you may open or you may not open. Uh, it's up to you. But here are the restrictions that state government is requiring. These are the phase one restrictions uh, uh for you, Robert. And if you hear something mm-hmm. that you want to make a comment on, you just say, okay, Dave, hold on a second. I'll number one, restaurants. Restaurants must limit the number of customers to one-third of their total capacity. Mm-hmm. Two, tables must be 10 feet apart so that diners will be seated six feet away from diners at other tables. Three, Each employee who directly interacts with patrons must wear a face mask that completely covers nose and mouth. Kitchen staff and others are encouraged to wear a mask. Next, each employee must wear gloves. Gloves should be changed between each customer, customer group, or task. Management must conduct a daily health screening of all employees before they enter the restaurant. An employee with a cough, sore throat, fever, or shortness of breath must not enter the restaurant. Patrons must wear a face covering until the food or drinks are served. Salad bars, buffets, and other self-serve features 
will remain closed. Groups must be 10 or fewer customers. Tables, chairs, salt, pepper shakers, condiment containers, and napkin holders will be cleaned and disinfected after each customer. Bars and entertainment operations, such as live music, in-seat uh, gaming devices, or arcades, are prohibited. Normal service of alcohol within the restaurant seating area is allowed. Restaurant, uh, restrooms, probably not restaurants, but the restrooms should be disinfected frequently. And then finally, service may be declined to patrons who do not wear a mask. So uh, that's that's the oh, phase one restrictions. Dave, my question is, how do I get that normally? How can I have? How can I find a restaurant that has those rules, notwithstanding the coronavirus? That's what I want. Well, that that depends on the restaurant. I mean, I know, it, it, I know. That, yeah, that was my whole argument about when Huckabee was governor and, and saying if you don't serve X amount uh, or if you do serve X amount of food, you could not allow smoking in your establishment. And I always said, you don't have to tell businesses to, to restrict smoking. It will be restricted when customers demand that it be restricted and it had already started moving that way because that was what was happening people didn't want to sit even near the non uh, the uh, the smoking section if they were in the non-smoking section because you know it's hard to control the flow of smoke in a restaurant so there you know the market will dictate this kind of stuff well, I think there's a lot of truth to that. I remember, of course, when I was young and smoking was permitted in restaurants and you had separate sections, as you point out, and they were totally ineffective. And I was very pleased when restaurants went to non-smoking. Now, as you point out, that was done as a function of mandate, of law. And I think you raise a valid point that much of that, not entirely, of course, uh, by definition, but much of that would have happened uh, as a function of market forces. And the question then becomes, what's the role of government? in providing for uh, health, uh, notwithstanding the marketplace, and your argument has a lot of force to it, uh, but I will concede that as a virulent anti-smoker, uh, I was pleased when smoking was banned in restaurants. So I'm yeah, not making a policy statement, I'm okay. just telling you what I liked. I, I got you, and you had the yeah. right to pick those restaurants. I've always That's said right. that. Just like, That's right. look, uh, there are some restaurants to this day I won't go into because I don't think they're clean enough. Right, right. Or, for example, one might choose to go to a, a certain restaurant because you think the food is healthier. In other words, yes. health considerations uh, play a role in individual choice, Beyond just smoking, what they serve, how they serve it, whether they're clean. I consider all of those things when I go to a restaurant. Yep, I agree. And then, uh, and I don't think that you have to have the velvet-covered glove, iron fist of government uh, to make it, uh, make it so. And it really disappointed me that it was a, it was a Republican governor. Uh, that uh, you know brought that fist down. I just uh, that just really rubbed me the wrong way. In fact, there was a restaurant uh, uh, 
that was owned by Mr. Wallace. Uh, you, I don't know if you remember Bruno's Italian Restaurant over on Bowman Road. He used I do to have know. The, I've been there. Yeah, yeah. He, used, he used to have that restaurant there. And he had installed in the non-smoking area one of the, uh, I forget how many thousands of dollars he spent. I remember that. To, to clean the air. And uh, right. what, what happened is that he was, he was told it didn't matter. It right. didn't matter. You just wasted your money. And see, I, I think that that's wrong. I get, here's my right. question. I'm looking at all these uh, different rules, and they're saying that, you know, patrons have to wear a mask covering until the food or drink is served. Well, if that's the case, how can we go shopping without masks? Well, it's certainly an inconsistency, right? And then to go back to your very good example about Bruno's, it raises a further, what I think is interesting question, that is, if the state decides it wants to mandate shutting down smoking in uh, restaurants, as it has done, right, in Arkansas and across the country, what about a law in the future that says restaurants that already have established non-smoke that are established non-smoking restaurants which has to be all of them right now yes can you build an addition or add to the restaurant a totally separately ventilated environment now that's an open question how you do that to me at least i'm no expert because i think people can cheat on that but let's say you can do it totally separately ventilated section that is smoking so now you already have the established non-smoking. Can you build onto it, but separately ventilated smoking section? <clears throat> Why should anybody who's a non-smoker object to that as long as it's done correctly? Because I've been in places, of course, historically that claimed to have separate sections. And, of course, they weren't because the air went up through the drop ceiling into the other section. Right. But So put aside the, the feasibility and assume <clears throat> that you can achieve that goal. Should that be permitted? And I'm hard-pressed to think of a reason offhand why not. Yeah, it would make an interesting court case. That's right. That's right. <laughs> it would. All right. So that's right. anyway, that that's what they're saying. I'm just going to be interested to see how many restaurants are chomping at the bit to, to open up. I know a lot of, you know, this is why I say I see a V recovery coming. As soon as these places open. People are coming. People are right. just, they're, they're chomping at the bit to, to oh, go to sure their favorite are. restaurants and stuff. Right. And, uh, you know, it's, the only reason it won't be a V is because the government says you can only have a third of the normal crowd that you have uh, in there. You can't. Uh, and what does a V and, mean, and, Dave, that it, it quickly goes that, back yeah, up? Yeah, it goes quickly mean? back up, yes, Got that it. you go Got from it. where we're at. In fact, we're already going back up. Take a look at the stock market. Now, if you want to talk, if we only look at unemployment, as soon as they give the okay that these all these places can open, people are going to be hiring like crazy. However, maybe there's some places that don't, that don't hire as much as they sure. did before because, sure. because of what's happening. They've uh, found different ways to get around and do the jobs. Well, and, that, and the former point is the one that I raised uh, a moment ago, which is this kind of, oh, look how bad the unemployment is. It's awful. Let me be clear. It's awful. But when the New York Times and other lefties say, look at, look at the recession we're in, when they're looking at the unemployment numbers, well, those are artificial unemployment numbers. Again, not artificial in the sense there aren't 
millions upon millions of people not getting paychecks, but artificial in that once the government flips the switch, a whole bunch, but not all, of those jobs are going to open up again. That doesn't happen in normal recessions, right? In normal recessions, we fight every day to create yeah. more jobs because people aren't spending, people aren't hiring, et cetera, et cetera. I agree. All right, got to take a break. Yep. Sean Hannity yep. is going to join us, and you and I will come back. We're going to talk about General Flynn because that needs to be talked about, to say the least. It's all coming our way here on the Dave Ellswick Show on 101.1 FM, The Answer. Well, I'm going to tell you what. We were talking earlier, Robert and I, and uh, I'm talking about this V that I believe is going to happen when people are given the opportunity to go back uh, out to restaurants and and uh, go to movies and things of that nature. I think people are like uh, going, uh, you know, cabin fever time, and they're going to want to get out. I was just talking during the break. Uh, Sunday is supposed to be sunny and 85. Um, I'm going to go. Kroger's got a really good deal on uh, a grill, a charcoal grill, and I'm going back to I'm going back old school again, Robert. I've used propane long enough. I'm going back to to briquettes again and uh i'm gonna cook steaks on sunday it'll be on a sunny day 85 degrees we'll have the pool open not getting in the pool it'll only be about 72 degrees i'm not getting in the pool but sitting by it and looking at the water and having a steak i think that's going to be what we're going to do at the dave ellswick homestead but uh, a lot of people want to get out and uh you know, congregate with each other again. And, uh, you know, everybody's uh, in the government is freaking out that that's going to bring COVID-19 back and all the rest. I just think uh, Americans have the right to make up their mind about this. But uh, and I look at some of the, and we've talked about the rules and how they're inconsistent and they don't make any sense. You got to wear a mask to go to a restaurant, but you don't have a wear a, a mask when you go to Walmart to shop and things of that nature. With that in mind, Jackie Martin is called in, and if I'm not mistaken, Jackie lives up in Heber Springs. She, along with some other people, are going to be meeting in front of the Capitol, if I'm not mistaken, tomorrow at noon to say to the governor, reopen Arkansas. Is that right, Jackie? Is that what you all are saying? Yes, that's right, Dave. Good morning. Um, Good morning. This started off, I'm state director for Convention of States, and um, Mark Meckler started a nationwide movement called Open the States because the governors of the states have been draconian in some of their restrictions. Now, Governor Hutchinson hasn't been to that point. However, he has no constitutional authority to shut businesses down and to say what business is essential versus non-essential. Why are we closing small retail shops down when I'm allowed to go shopping in Walmart? Mm -hmm. There's a lot of discrimination going on. And I'm very concerned about a person who would say that they would want a restaurant to only serve a third of their clientele. That restaurant is not going to be able to stay in business. And I'm concerned that there won't be a V return to the economy if uh, the more they drag out turning on the spigot of our economy, um, the more small businesses are going to go out of business, and they employ 75% of the workers in this country. Okay, and, so, you know, I'm, I, I, don't, 
I don't have an argument with you. I really don't. Uh, you know, I, I kind of feel like uh, people are smart enough that they can make a decision about do they want to go out and and eat or, or go to the movies or, or whatever. I think they can make that decision. Uh, I know I can make that decision. And right now, yeah, just because but, of some health concerns, I, I won't be going out. Right. And what we're saying is, you know, an attitude of defiance with common sense compliance. If you have a health issue and you're in the high-risk group, then stay at home. Yeah, that's what I'm going to do. Yeah, if, however, you're healthy and you want to ex- uh, exercise your civil liberties of freedom of movement and freedom of choice, then you should be allowed to do that. Um, okay. You know, if you look at the word quarantine in the dictionary, it states that it is a method used to isolate sick people, not healthy, sick people. So that the general public does not uh, get contaminated. My concern is, I know there's a lot of concern out there right now with uh, COVID coming back again. Um, and it's, that's because we haven't built up a herd immunity. But now numbers are coming out that 80 to 85 percent of the population has been exposed to COVID-19 and have shown no symptoms. So this virus is not as deadly as we were told it was. This whole thing has had propaganda wrapped around it, and I'm still trying to figure out why. All right, so, so you know, tell, you tell us what's... You've known me for 10 years. I'm, yeah. I'm very much a liberty-oriented person. Yeah, and then that's why, you know, they said that you had called. I said, put her on! Put her on! <laughs> you know, we need people that want to stand up for liberty. I love that. Uh, who else is uh, working with you on this? And it's going to happen what a time? At noon tomorrow downtown at the Capitol? Is that what's happening? Yeah, at the uh, state Capitol on the east side of the Capitol. And people can choose to either stay in their car and drive around the Capitol honking the horn. Or they can choose to wear a mask and gloves, whatever they're comfortable with doing. Me, I won't be wearing either, even though I'm in a high-risk age group. But I don't have any underlying health issues either. Now, so, wait a second. Um, wait, well, 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 wait a second. You just said you're in the high-risk age group. No, you're not. You're what, 35? <laughs> I wish. <laughs> no, I'm well go, go over ahead. 50. <laughs> yeah, there you go. Go ahead. Go ahead. Finish up for but, us, um, Jackie. You know, um, we're, we, we stand for liberty. We stand for everyone being able to exercise their civil liberties to choose what is best for themselves as an individual or for your family. We're not telling people what they need to do. But what I'm saying is that the governors in our states do not have the constitutional authority to do what they've been doing. And um, they, they don't have the constitutional authority to restrict freedom of movement. They don't have the constitutional authority to close down businesses and say, no, I'm sorry, you can't make a living. I don't care if your family is starving. Mm -hmm. They don't have that authority. Nowhere in the U.S. Constitution or in the Arkansas Constitution does it state that when there's a crisis, they have the authority to shut everything down. No, it says during times of war or any other crisis, this Constitution will 
be supreme. Mm-hmm. And All that right. has been lost in this whole thing. All right. Well, Jackie, I appreciate you calling in. If you are like Jackie and a lot of other people and you want to see the state completely reopened, uh, show up at noon on the east side of the Capitol tomorrow and let the governor understand that. I'll tell you what, this has an, has an impact. You get about four or 500 people that take the time out and right now. They, they got everything but time. Uh, to do this, uh, show up, and uh, that will be no problem whatsoever, I would think, and let the governor know. You might see things open a little quicker that way. Yep. All right, Jackie, thanks so much for calling in. We appreciate you. I understand that you guys have been having a pretty good conversation on my Facebook page. Keep it up. Will do. Thank you so Uh, much, Dave. Sure thing, Jackie. We'll talk to you later. All right, Jackie. Uh, Glover, who uh, has done just uh, a, a lot of work uh, in the uh, area of freedom here in the state of Arkansas. Again, that's going to happen tomorrow at noon on the east side of uh, the Capitol. Now, I want to warn all of you guys that show up for that, uh, that I wouldn't expect that uh, Governor Asa Hutchinson will walk out and, uh, and engage you in conversation. With that said, Robert, what do you think? About the reopening? About what, yeah, what they're doing. I mean, what uh, what this group is, what they're, the, the, you know, the points that they're bringing up. Well, look, I think it is a useful democratic exercise for, the, for those not in government to keep government in check. I don't agree with the notion that what state governors across the country have done is entirely illegal. Uh, carte blanche, meaning there are certain activities that some governors may have overreached, but I do believe that states can impose some level of shutdown during a pandemic, as they have done so. Uh, In addition, I agree with, uh, what was it, Pam, or I forget her name, whoever called in, that... Jackie Martin. I'm sorry, Jackie, I apologize. Jackie said in terms of keeping pressure on government not to uh, overextend their authority. So I'm in the middle is the short answer uh, after I gave the long answer. <laughs> I love it. All right, quarter till nine, a break, and then we'll come back, finish it up on a Thursday. Robert's back with me tomorrow. We got a lot of interesting things to talk about tomorrow as well. Chris Corbett is going to join us also tomorrow. And uh, in the final half hour, uh, I'm going to bring Matt Smith in because there's a battle brewing in the in the movie industry. Universal says that they're going to start showing some movies that people can rent uh, by streaming them and watch uh, first-run movies. And uh, several movie theater chains now are saying, you do that and we'll never show another Universal picture in our theaters. So this is an interesting situation. Uh, that is getting ready to start uh, as far as movies go. It, hey, look, we're, we're seeing now that they can stream movies like the the latest Trolls movie. It, uh, over, uh, what, $100 million or something, $10 million? I don't know. It was a lot of money. Uh, more than what the studio thought would happen. And uh, they're saying, well, 
maybe we should do some other movies that way. And the movie theaters are saying, oh, wait a second now. No, 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 no. So we'll talk about that tomorrow on the Dave Ellswick Show. Stay tuned. Robert and I will finish it up. I guess we'll get some Flynn talk in when we come back here on the Dave Ellswick Show. All right. So the president today has blasted the dirty cop Comey as damning FBI files have come out, raising really troubling questions about the General Flynn case. We uh, talked about this uh, some on, uh, was it yesterday or was it Monday? Maybe it was, I guess it was Monday uh, we talked about this. And here we are on Thursday, and these new files came out. And to say that they're damning, Robert, is an understatement. Mm -hmm. Indeed, indeed. Well, there's a written note from the FBI saying, let's go get him to admit uh, to something or to make a lie so that we can prosecute him for a lie. Now, here's the thing, Dave. That looks a lot like entrapment. Yeah, it does. What's entrapment versus a sting? In other words, if you go to a drug dealer and you're a FBI agent and you say, I want to buy some drugs, and then you do so and then you arrest him, that is proper. You can arrest a drug dealer. Why? He's already in the business of selling drugs. You haven't entrapped him. You made him do what he has been doing. You just made him do it again. On the other hand, of course, we remember the um, uh, John um, uh, DeLorean case in which the FBI went to him and tried to make him buy or sell drugs for his failing DeLorean car company, and the court said that was entrapment. Why? Because John DeLorean wasn't in the drug selling or buying business prior to the FBI going in to enticing him to do so, given his underlying financial difficulties with his company. That was entrapment. So was General Flynn in the business or practice of lying to the FBI? No. So when they go in and set him up to make him lie, and by the way, it's not even clear that what he did was that was a lie, right? Because a lie is an intentional statement about a material fact. It's not clear that he did that, but put that aside. Let's assume he did for the sake of argument. That sounds a lot like a setup to me to somebody who otherwise wasn't doing that activity, i.e. entrapment. Yes. And that's what, And you know what that is? That is you know, kind of state police. What I mean by state police is, you know, uh, uh, Gestapo-like. Yes, I said it. I said it. Gestapo-like tactics. Yeah, this is Stasi stuff. This is East Germany to bring it into even, 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 you know, more recently in the 80s. And that's a better better analogy. I rescind my analogy and I adopt yours. This is Stasi-like behavior. Absolutely it is. And Here's my whole thing. To me, it's as clear as day what was going on. And I want to know, you know, the president saying, look, if this judge, I guess his name is, is it Sullivan, the name of the judge? I'm not. Yeah, I think that's that's right. Sullivan uh, in the D.C. District Court. Now, if he doesn't drop these charges, which he should, and in fact, the prosecution should just drop them. And, and say, well, you know, we, we know that there was wrongdoing here and drop the charges and uh, and uh, Flynn should go free. I mean, this is a well, guy. 
that's life has been destroyed. It's really an interesting question, Dave, because, of course, uh, Attorney General Bill Barr is the boss of the prosecutor uh, who's prosecuting uh, Flynn. So Bill Barr could and should look over this material, and if he draws the conclusion that we have initially said on here, tentatively said on here, then Bill Barr should tell the prosecutor, wait a second, this was an invalid prosecution. You need to withdraw it entirely. Yeah. Yeah. And then Comey should have to appear in front of Flynn and apologize as he's being fingerprinted to be put in jail for uh, using uh, the law uh, for his own personal benefit. Well, we've, we know that Comey and others are being investigated by this prosecutor, I want to say out of Connecticut, isn't that right? And yeah. we, we don't have that result yet, and I'm looking forward to seeing it. Of course, already the IG said that Comey did some wrongdoing, but said it was not prosecutable uh, criminally. And Comey said, you see, I was completely let off. I love how the people like Comey said, well, Trump wasn't exonerated by the special counsel, even though the special counsel uh, and Attorney General Barr, as it should be, as the process is, didn't prosecute him. Uh, but when a similar activity goes on for Comey, Comey says, I was completely exonerated, or words to that effect, let's be clear. Uh-huh. It's just more hypocrisy. Well, it's really sad when you watch the interview with him uh, from 2018, where he's talking about this interview they did with Flynn and said, yeah, I did that because uh, I wouldn't have done it with Obama or I wouldn't have done it with Bush because uh, they knew how to set up an administration and Trump didn't and uh, things were a little loosey-goosey. So we figured we could go in there and get Flynn to say something to, to in fact, give us uh, an ability to find him guilty. Where are all the norms, quote-unquote norms, that... People like Comey, people on the well, the Trump administration is violating norms. What about the, that norm? If, and I suspect it was even more than a norm. I suspect it was a DOJ or FBI rule. What about that one where he just decided, oh, well, I want, I'm not going to follow that because I want to put the thumb screws on to Flint. Yeah, let me read some uh, of this note. What is our goal? One of the notes read. Is it truth slash admission or to get him to lie so we can prosecute him or get him fired? If we get him to admit to breaking the Logan Act, and the Logan Act, by the way, for everybody, uh, is a law that was passed uh, with criminal prosecution back in 1799, before there were telephones and other electronic devices, of course, uh, to give facts to the DOJ, plus have them decide, another note read. Constitutional law professor Jonathan Turley. Now, if I'm not mistaken, Turley was one of the guys that uh, was on the prosecution side during the impeachment uh, trial. No, he was on the defense side. He came in. Oh, he was? Okay. Yeah, he was the only one, I think. Yeah, he called the document's implications chilling. And I, I think that's an understatement. That, if you ask me, that sounds like a, a heavy northern wind from the North Pole, if you ask me. 
as far I as asking point, that. Right. I mean, I think it's more than chilling. It's downright, as you aptly analogized, Stasi-like, uh, East German police-like. Yeah, yeah. Twisting the law. That's pretzel twisting the law is what it is. Uh, real quickly, one last sentence, and then I'll let you go. I don't see how getting someone to admit their wrongdoing is going easy on him, one note read. Flynn uh, did not ultimately admit to wrongdoing in the interview, and the people said they thought he was telling the truth. With that said, yeah. hey, I'm going to barbecue uh, Saturday, buddy. Uh, I'll talk to you tomorrow. I, may be, I might invite you all. If you want to wear a mask, you go ahead. Maybe have a bite. But uh, it's going to be 85 on Saturday, and we're getting close to summertime, and I'm loving it. So I want to get everybody in the mood, all right? God bless, my friend. All right. Talk to you tomorrow here on the Dave Ellswick Show. I'll talk to you as well. But right now, here's Mungo Jerry. Take her out for a meal If a daddy's boy Just do what you feel Speed along the lane You a town or a turn of 25 When the sun goes down You can make it, make it good And live by When I threat people When I daddy, when I mean We love everybody But we do as we please When the weather's fine We go fishing or go sailing in the sea We're always happy Philosophy